Welcome everyone. I'm Sue Barber, author, former IT director for a Fortune 500 company, turn executive coach, and this is the Visibility Factor podcast, where we explore how to raise your visibility and play bigger at work and in life. We'll explore key topics and welcome guests that help you shift your thinking about yourself so you can see new possibilities for your leadership. I'm on a mission to create a visibility movement for leaders to show their value and be seen for their true talent. Are you ready to take the next step towards a higher level of visibility for yourself? Let's go. The visibility factor is brought to you in part by the Choose Your Life Challenge. Do you feel like it's too late to do something new? You have a good life and your basic needs are met. You have a place to live, a job that provides enough, and friends and family to share it with. But it's all passing by so quickly, and it feels like you're running out of time to do the things you wanted to do. Join Danielle McCombs and Christy Allinger, co-hosts of the Opposite of Small Talk podcast, in a 30-day interactive experience that helps you to live a more intentional life. Through a combination of live sessions, video coaching, and digital social interaction, you will be guided through a series of ideas to explore your mindset and gain confidence to live the life you want. Sign up today by visiting theoppositeofsmalltalk.com forward slash challenge. Use promo code challenge4 for a 20% discount. That's theoppositeofsmalltalk.com forward slash challenge and promo code challenge4. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Visibility Factor podcast. I'm Sue Barber, and I am thrilled today to have Kathy Kasten here with me, who is the CEO of Lion Crest Leadership. I am going to let Kathy do a quick introduction of herself, and then we're going to get into some fun conversation. Welcome to the show, Kathy. Hi, thanks for having me, Sue. I'm excited to be here. I really have enjoyed getting to know you, and I'm excited to meet your listeners on this podcast Um, I have a crazy life story. One of my nicknames is the corporate alpaca ice cream lady. And so after college, I started out in corporate life, thought that I would stay there, decided to make some life changes. um, So I had more time with my family and left corporate. And that took me through a whole host of different careers, including ice cream and alpacas. Um, But through all of that, there was always leadership, and it's what I really love. I love to help people learn how to interact with others really well and have great conversations and really have a chance to shine their gifts. So that's what brought me to the business I'm in now, and I've really enjoyed it. I love I love what I do. I love serving people, and I'm really excited to help everybody on the program today. Well, I know they're going to learn a lot from you because just so the listeners know, um, Kathy and I are in a networking group together. So we get to see each other every two weeks, which is amazing. And we've had many conversations on the side of that as well. So I know a lot about her story and her her gifts. And I think it's just going to be so amazing for you guys to learn about that. So let's start with what do you think that you've learned about yourself through all of this journey that you've had in all of these different places? What have you learned the most about yourself? Oh, what a great question to start with. I, I guess one of the things that I would say is to get really comfortable celebrating who you are and not trying to be other people, 
even though I've always been pretty comfortable in my own skin, I think we still have this image of whether it's somebody we know or the perfect woman image, right, or the perfect person image that we think we should live up to. <laughs> Learning that each of us have unique, beautiful skills to bring to the table and that we should really lean into those because that's where our best ability to serve other people lies. That's also where the greatest happiness for us lies because we love it. We're naturally gifted in it. That's really been a, a, a great gift to me in my life, yeah. I guess, is really leaning into celebrating who I am and also appreciating who I'm not because then I can enjoy other people and their gifts and not feel threatened by them. I'm able to really enjoy what they bring and add and teach me. So that's probably a part of it. The, the other thing I would say throughout all the businesses I've been in, a lot of business or interactions with people in general comes back to communication and skill sets that are transferable. A woman who'd never raised animals in a farm setting, a woman who had never had food service background, those pieces I had to learn, but the basics of how to run a business, the basics of how to interact with people, those skill sets transfer. So for me, I would say 80% of business to business changes can go with you. It's just that 20% where you need to learn the, the details of that particular environment mm -hmm. that you're in. So that was another thing that was really helpful for me to realize my skill sets in the alpaca world actually still serve me today in my leadership business. <laughs> who, who would think, yeah, right? <laughs> so I guess that's a couple of answers that I would say. Oh my gosh, I love that. Well, and I love the part that you talked about. I think as you get to a certain place in your life too, you start to really trust yourself a lot more and realize that you don't have to be like everybody else and you need to celebrate the gifts that you have and your uniqueness and that it actually is something that really serves you much better. It's just a, a more authentic way to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's more fun. And also we each bring something so unique. It's, you know, one of the silly word picture analogies I use sometimes is a mountain might wanna be a lake, but it's never gonna be a good lake. <laughs> And then we're missing out on that mountaintop experience. So it's the same with people when we have these great gifts and we try to be something else that we're not or that we're not as gifted in, then we miss out on shining the part of us that's really beautiful and exceptional that people can benefit from more and that we can enjoy more too. Has there been an, an impactful lesson that you've learned that's helped you the most in terms of like starting your business or going through all of these different businesses? I think having a central purpose has been critical for me. So for me, that's my faith. But also recognizing that from the hardest moments that you go through in the journey of life come some of the greatest learning moments if you're willing to embrace them. So an example of that I will give you with my current businesses in 2020 I had given a large keynote to a large group of women, we had a wonderful event. My mother, my daughter, a bunch of other people that I had invited were there at a standing ovation. People are hugging me. Everybody's talking to me. It's wonderful. The business is doing really well. I'm having a great time. 36 hours later, my mother dies completely unexpectedly. She had no health issues. She had no medical prescriptions. Instant death. And she had been at my event the day before. So I, I push back a lot of 
the things that I had scheduled. My family was in shock. My father's in shock. He'd been married 57 years. How do we help the family come to grips with what just happened? I push things back. In early March of 2020, I start to pull one or two of those things from my business back to start re-engaging a little, and COVID hits. So COVID completely destroys my business because at that point, most of what I was doing was live. Um, And of course, we know how that time went, right? Everybody was canceling speaking and trainings and nothing was being done live. So in 2020, then after that change with COVID in March, the business collapsed, even though it had been doing really well, because I had not at that point built anything that was set for virtual to speak of. Then a month and a half after that, my mother-in-law dies and we are in the heart of COVID. The funeral is allowing 10 people to be present. So none of the grandkids can be at the funeral. There's just in that little window of time, I had three major life hurdles and I'm not even telling you some of the other ones that were happening. I think it's easy in those moments to say, I'm done. I, you know, I want to quit. I want to Or why is this happening to me? And certainly there were moments when I had those feelings. I would be lying to say otherwise. You can be pretty overwhelmed when things are hard. Walking through that, though, was some of the best growth I've ever had. And I remember being at a point of asking myself, finally, probably maybe June of 2020, why am I here? What is my purpose? How can I continue to serve? Do I believe that I've been able to make a difference in the work that I do in my leadership business with people? I knew the answer to that was yes. How do I find the strength and the resolve to rebuild a business basically from scratch again, right? Because at that point, we have no idea when things are going to change, if things are going to change. The reason I'm sharing this story, I think, is to really give the listeners the chance to recognize that these are some of the best things that can happen to you. Losing my mom was not a wonderful thing. I certainly would give anything to have her back, but great fruits came from that. I've had more time with my father, which I didn't spend as much time with him as my mom prior. Um, I was able to recreate a business that actually is more successful quite a bit more successful than the one I was building before because I've been able to modify, grow, try things. I wouldn't have maybe done that had I not been pushed to do that. It also taught me a lot about my own resolve. So I think in general, it's just recognizing that these hard times in life, in business, you know, maybe you're having coworker issues or issues with a supervisor or a difficult customer or financially your business faces something really hard there are so many lessons that can be takeaways that make things better for the next round. I'm really thankful for those days. I don't always love going through them, but I recognize the big value they bring. Oh my gosh. Oh, I'm so sorry. I went through so much so quickly, but I totally understand what you meant about, you know, spending time with your dad. My mom passed away first and uh, it definitely gave us more time to spend with our dad Mm. too. And I think, you know, we, we definitely valued that a whole lot more, and uh, I learned a lot about him more than I ever thought. So I'm really grateful for that time, and I had already left mm-hmm. the company, so I got to spend time with him near the end as well. And yeah, it's just a gift you cannot ever get back. So uh, I really appreciate that. So thank you for sharing all that. I think that can be helpful to someone who's maybe going through a really tough time now and um, can understand how you can continue to move past 
that and maybe learn some some valuable lessons for yourself from that. So I want to read this quote that you gave to me in your bio because I love it. And I, I want to ask you a question around it. So the quote is, legacy is how you live, give, and love one step at a time, one day at a time. What are you doing to help not only yourself build a legacy, but what are you doing to help others do the same? You are asking some wonderful questions. I just love it. Um, Okay, so I would say a few things. One, (laughs) helping people to identify what they want their life to represent. We... The, the, the keynote I was talking about that my mom was at, um, that was actually called Live Your Legacy. And one of the things that I pointed out in that keynote was we often think of legacy as what we leave when we die. Like, what are we going to give? But the truth of it is, it's what we're building where we're alive that determines what we leave when we die. Right? So I, I want to reframe that. What are we doing in life that's intentional that allows us to live out the kind of messaging we want for the people around us to receive. So that's where that quote came from. I was giving a lot of thought to, we need to be intentional. For instance, I want my business to support a certain nonprofit. And someday I want that to happen. That's my legacy. I will work with people to help them make someday start now. Even if it's $2 a month, let's do something to start moving that legacy so that we don't get to the end of our life on our deathbed and say, you know, I was always going to do that thing, but I never quite got there because aren't we all guilty of that? (laughs) So part of it is that intentional decision-making and getting really clear about what are your priorities in life. For me, it's faith, family. Um, Those are high priorities for me. So as an example, with my grandchildren, what do I want them to remember about me, regardless of how much time we have? I hope we have a lot. But when they look back and talk about memories they've had with me, what do I want them to be able to recall? And have I created some of those memories now? So, for example, my husband and I have set up a monthly special thing that we do with the grandkids to take them somewhere. We all go to church together. You know, there are a lot of things like that where we're we're intentionally building the memories we want to have available for them. So clarifying what is it that matters to you? How do you make time for that? How do you determine what pieces you want to fill in that bucket of what matters to you? That's part of what I do with clients and even with businesses. Let's say you're an owner of a business. You know, how do you want your employees? What kind of lives do you want them to have? That's part of your legacy. Are you giving them trainings that they need? Because your legacy with them is affecting their legacy with their families. It's affecting the business's legacy with customers. You know, so what impact are you leaving? What memories are you creating? And are we being very intentional about how we build those? Are we taking time to stop and create it and not just talk about it? Wow, so much in there. (laughs) We could just totally spend hours on that topic alone, right? I'm a passionate person about that topic. (laughs) I know, I know. We've talked about it, so I knew you would have a lot of good stuff to say. that's important. Oh, oh my gosh. So one more question, then I want to dive into like one of your big specialties. But I think that you're someone who's really good at building relationships. And I know that some people struggle with that, where it's hard for them to even approach someone or have a conversation with them if they don't know them. Do you have any kind of best practices or tips that you could share with people who may struggle with that if they're more introverted, et cetera? 
and how you think about it. Sure. It's, it's always funny. People, I'm an extroverted, uh, not an extrovert. I'm an outgoing person. And so people assume that I'm an extrovert. <laughs> I'm actually an outgoing introvert. And I have found that quite a number of people in the business world are in that category. So even for me, that's been a challenge. Here's what I would say. I like to do intentional connections with people. I love I love finding out what's amazing about somebody else. I love hearing their stories. I love understanding their gifts. Where do I start? If I'm walking into a room and I haven't met any, somebody before, one of the first things I will do is ask questions until I find a common ground link. And that common ground doesn't even need to be related, let's say, to business. It might be that we both have a cat. It might be <laughs> that they were in Africa and I went to Africa, which I didn't. But <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> you know, I did Could fly in anything. a biplane. Maybe, maybe they flew in a biplane. So yeah. what is it that we can, you know, we both, you and I just talked about we both lost a mom, right? That's mm-hmm. a common ground piece that starts to connect us as people first. I think that's important. Most of the connections that people try to make seem to be very superficial and topical. Oh, what do you do for a living? Um, You know, Mm -hmm. how long have you been with the company? There's nothing wrong with those questions, but I think we want to know the person at a deeper level and we don't want to intimidate them. So you maybe don't want to ask them for their deepest life secret, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Save that for the second conversation. (laughs) But I think at least for that first one, find something that's a safe place. Like a travel is a good one or a pet. A lot of people have pets. Family questions. You know, I I know there's some HR appropriate and not appropriate, so I'm not addressing those things. But just Mm -hmm. in general, make sure you're not spending all your time talking about you, especially if you're nervous. Because if I get on this podcast and I say, hi, Sue, and I talk for 30 minutes about Kathy and how amazing she is, like, <laughs> people are going to turn <laughs> me off after 30 seconds, right? I, that's not, yeah. I, I'm not hearing why that matters to, to so, you know, myself, if I'm the person listening to Kathy, how, who cares? Exactly. So we need to reach out and ask questions to them about what they've met, ma- you know, what matters to them. The question you asked at the beginning or something like it, what's one of your, the favorite things you've learned in this company? What is one of the most fun experiences you've ever had with a customer? Um, who's somebody who is a mentor to you and really taught you something amazing? I'd love to hear what it was. You know, those kind of questions start to open up different levels of connection so that we can talk on a deeper level about other things too. It says, I care about you as a human being. You matter to me. And who doesn't love that, especially in this day and age when a lot of things feel distant. So that's where I would start with common ground questions. Those are amazing examples of questions. So I hope everybody writes those down and uses them the next time they're in that situation. And I I always see it as a way to build an emotional connection with someone because that's mm-hmm. going to mean a, a lot longer conversation, a lot longer, you know, hopefully a relationship that you have by just being interested in the other person and, you know, letting them ask you questions and being vulnerable enough to share a little bit more about yourself than maybe you would share with anyone else. So, well, and if you translate that out, Sue, if you think about when somebody comes up to Sue and makes Sue feel valuable and loved and cared for, aren't you much more interested in what they believe too? 
Like that's just a natural, and it's not why we do it. It's just one of the beautiful byproducts as we've connected on a deeper level. We're able to have these conversations. I think, I mean, if I go all the way back to my corporate days, there was a situation a long time ago. I had a, a virtual, now we call them assistants. I think back then they were secretaries, right? So this dates me a little, but um, I had a woman that was working for me that was part of a 1-800 call center on her lunch hours. It was part of, we, I was in a very large company that was an insurance company. And they had a pool of these uh, admins that would take turns answering the phone. One day, None of them could do it. Somebody had had a family crisis and whatever. So, so my admin came to me and she said, I don't know what to do. I'm just in a panic. I offered to sit at the phones. I'd never done it before. Had, <laughs> had no idea. <laughs> and I spent an hour. Wow. I'll tell you what. I appreciated them so much after that hour. <laughs> I had no idea how hard a job that was. I remember getting called into the management office and them saying to me, Kathy, that's why did you do that? That's not your job. Like, you know, you're you're a man in management. And I said they needed help, and I wanted to support them, and I wanted to learn about their job. Fast forward. The reason I'm sharing this story is, a few months later, we had a situation where we had a large client who was going to leave this corporation because they were quite upset about something that had happened. So the head of our division calls me in and says. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what they're upset about. They say they're leaving in 24 hours or less. You need to find out what's going on and fix it. And I said, and you have no idea what's happening. And he said, nope, go figure it out. <laughs> and this was a big client. So guess what? All those admins were some of the first people I called. And they all had connections. And they were able to, we were able to figure it out, get it fixed and save the client within 24 hours because those kind of go the extra mile connections with people reciprocated back to me. When I volunteered to sit at the claims desk for an hour, I had no idea I was going to be dealing with a big client months later. But that's an example, I think, of what happens when you take the time to build those great relationships. I could not by myself have answered that question and fixed everything in 24 hours. There was no way that would have happened. There were too many pieces. But by having a network of people that felt valued, I was able to get extra support and extra help and extra networking that allowed us to move quickly. So that the reason I was sharing that is to show you that's one of the benefits that comes from these deeper mm -hmm. relationships. And I, and I think we all naturally know that. Wow, what an amazing story. <laughs> just, yeah, well, yeah, I mean, on. you just never know when you may need the help and to tap into that relationship. I, I think that's what I've always thought about and told my teams. Like you've got to really leverage resources within this organization and you cannot leave anyone out. No one is, excluded from that. So making sure that you're connecting with them on a regular basis is so important and maintaining it, not just once, but maintaining it. And recognizing the value that every person brings. I don't care what role you have in a company, whether it's CEO or first day on the job, everybody brings something of value. Mm -hmm. We don't want to lose sight of that because you miss so much opportunity when you do. 100%. Yes. Okay, so you are someone who specializes in DISC assessments. I am certified in DISC as well, uh, but I think it would be really great for you to share what you really feel DISC is and how it is helping you as a coach and how it's helping your clients. Through the journey I've taken from the beginning, 
connecting with people, I think, has been central to all of it. It's been a huge part of my success, a huge part of my journey and passion. I was looking for a long time. I'm not a tool person by nature. There are a million courses, books, tools, and you can quickly be broke and overwhelmed. So I'm pretty careful about what I choose. But I had been looking for a long period of time for something to help me help clients more with connecting with other people. And also for me to even connect at a deeper level with them. And I was very fortunate to meet someone who works with a company that has done 35 plus years of heavy scientific validation of the DISC assessment they use. Let me back up and say, DISC is an assessment like Strength Finders, like Myers-Briggs. There are a lot of different assessments out there. Most of them boil down to one of those three, and then they've just been packaged differently. <laughs> right? <laughs> yes. DISC is a little exceptional in the fact that it's a public domain. So Kathy could create a DISC assessment tonight and sell it tomorrow, and there's no legal infringement which is different than some of the others. Now, here's the downside Mm -hmm. with over 50 companies, and I haven't even checked lately. Maybe there's a lot more than that now that sell DISC. Many of them have no scientific data. Many of them are very limited in their scope. Maybe they have four or 12 plot points. The company I use, as an example, uses 39,000 plot points. So what is DISC? It's a way of understanding people's personalities and how they affect their behaviors. What's measurable is how we behave based on our personalities. So I'll give you a silly example. I'm a fast-paced person. Kathy, almost 100% of the time, chews fast when she eats. It's a <laughs> it's a measurable <laughs> behavior. You could probably go to the bank on it, that Kathy will inhale her food, chew it three yeah. times, and swallow it. <laughs> I'm working on that. But that's just a, it, it's a predictable outcome of the of personality I have. So in the DISC world, we're looking at how were you naturally built? What is your blueprint? And because of those gift sets that you have, because of those natural personality pieces, how does that drive the behaviors you have? And do we see predictable patterns of behavior in those, in those moments? So this might sound really deep and hard for everybody. Let's simplify it. It's about figuring out how to talk to people in a way that really resonates with who they are. So in the disc world, I like to give the example, if you think of a circle of the globe of the earth, we all have a home place we live on the earth. So I live in Minnesota. For me, that's my home place. It's my comfy pants place, as my daughter would call it, right? Your slippers and hot cocoa or whatever it is (laughs) you like to drink. Um, We can go anywhere in the world we want. So We, in the disc world, there are four different quadrants in this globe. We can travel to any of the four quadrants. We're a mix of all four. We're a blend. But one of those places on that globe is most comfortable for us. It's where we naturally live and are gifted the most. So first, we're identifying where does Kathy live. Now we know she lives in Minnesota. If she's going to travel to, let's say, Wisconsin or Illinois, it's not a very far trip and it's not a lot for her to pack. If she's going to go to Africa or Asia, now I have to pack a lot differently. I'm going to Antarctica, right? So if you think of DISC again (laughs) as a circle globe of the world, 
if you're going to travel to a part of the world that somebody else naturally lives in by their personality, if it's far from where you live, you may have to think about how you're going to have that conversation a little more detailed than somebody who's very similar to you, which just makes sense, right? If you and I are wired the same, we can sit down and have a conversation and feel very natural and comfortable and it's just fun. If I'm with someone who's opposite of the personality style I have, it can be really challenging. They can drive me crazy. So I guess for the listeners, I would say, who is it out there that drives you crazy? That's the people you have to pack more. <laughs> Those are the people you have to pack more to go and have a conversation with. So, so <laughs> I require of all my clients, whether I'm doing business consulting, coaching, training, you know, keynotes, whatever it is, I require my clients to take a DISC assessment with me first thing out of the gate. The reason I do that is I want to understand how they are most comfortable having a conversation with me. So if you think of the DISC globe, there are four different personality types in general. One is a driven personality. That's about 10% of the world. They are fast-paced, very task-oriented. Then you've got what they call the influencers or the inspirers. That is roughly um, 25 to 30% of the population. Those are people that are the star of the show. When they walk in a room, everybody knows they're there. They're the banner carriers, the storytellers, the influencers, right? Um, then you have a group that we would call supportives, which is the largest group, by the way. The Lord knew what he was doing. We have 35% of the world that I call teddy bears. <laughs> they are those kind people that are always there for you. They will handle whatever you need. They're the last one to leave the room. They'll take on everything that's possible to support you in some way. And then we have the C group, which is your cautious group. That is the group that is really excellent with analytics, detail, processes, planning. All four of those quadrants are equally important. And again, we're a blend of parts of all of them. But when I'm, let's say I'm going to sit down with Sue. So Sue, do you mind sharing what your disc is? Uh, I'm a high S, as high you probably S. imagine. <laughs> <laughs> yes, oh, teddy bear woman. So um, here's the thing that I would know when I'm talking to you. Now I've done this assessment and I will always do with my clients what I call a debrief after. So I know that team matters to you. So when we have a conversation, I'm going to talk about team. I know in general that supportive type individuals don't like spotlight recognition, that they feel uncomfortable there. They'd rather be behind the scenes. So going into a large event and calling you up on the stage and handing you a microphone for most S's would be not a great idea. Having a conversation on a couple of nice couches where we can just sit and almost have a family-like conversation would be really helpful. I even change the backdrops when I do Zoom meetings, for example. I will mm. change the backdrops depending on the personality style I'm talking to. So we are going to, if you're an S, I'm going to be spending more time with you talking about family, about team, about how it helps keep things stable and safe. Let's say now I'm going to go talk to a high I personality, one of those influencers that's always in the you know mover and shaker world. They're all about fun and adventure and in the moment, excitement. So I might pop up and they wear big hats and big jewelry and they usually have bright colored <laughs> clothing and right. So I might, I might pop a more bright background or I might make sure that we are meeting in a place where they can watch people while we talk because they love that. 
Now, if I'm going to meet or talk with a high C personality, again, that's your cautious people that are very detailed and analytic. They want quiet, typically. They want to have a process and a plan. Don't talk to me about all the fluff. I don't want to know what you had for supper. I just want to know why is this going to improve the process? Why should we even talk about this? Let's let's go through that, right? So simple background. I'm going to have details. I'm going to have specific numbers for them. I'm not going to do generalities. They will get stressed out if I'm talking in general terms. I'm a high D first. I'm a DSC. So I'm a driven personality. I always jokingly say we're because we're the smallest of the four quadrants, most of the world doesn't understand me. The, the plus side is most of the world needs me. it it keeps me from going crazy that everybody doesn't understand me nine out of ten people I meet do not have the wiring that I do as their top trait Mm -hmm. so I just need to know that out of the gate but if somebody wants to have a conversation with Kathy I'm a big picture 30,000 foot level person first so coming to me and saying okay Kathy here's the three main points of why we want to do this here's the big grand picture Now I might say, hand me the 500 page report or let's meet and have a three hour meeting or whatever. But if you just come to me with a big report out of the gate and I don't understand the big picture, we're probably never going to have a second conversation. Mm -hmm. That's where DISC can become so powerful. We start to learn to understand where is somebody's comfy place again? Where do they live? I'm not changing who I am. I am saying you are important enough to me that I want to adapt and speak in a way that makes you feel comfortable because you matter and what you have to say matters. That is so powerful. And so I use it with my clients first so that I can deliver. We save tons of time for one thing because I'm able to get them energized or focused or excited or you know whatever that is going to be right away. And we're able to do it in a way that feels comfortable to them so they're not feeling stressed out by, Kathy, why are you giving me a 500-page report? I just want to have fun. Right? (laughs) I haven't lost them. (laughs) So that's a big part of it. But then also that translates into how they talk to each other on their teams. I do team reports. So we'll graph an entire organization or an entire leadership team And start having conversations about, well, this is why this person is having a struggle talking to this person. And here's how we can start to bridge that gap. Most of the time, people can improve conversation. And I would say 80 to 90% of the conflicts you'll see in an organization can be gotten rid of through improved communication. And I also know, going back to DISC again, that 85 to 95% of conflicts in an organization that are big conflicts are between task-oriented people and people-oriented people, which DISC splits, right? That's one of the differentiators. What does that look like? Kathy's trying to do, uh, let's say, a proposal for a new client. And I'm deep in it. I've got my task in front of me. I'm working hard because I am a task-focused person first. My husband, who's an S, like Sue, and is very people-focused, might pop in and say, hey, I've been thinking about the camping trip this weekend and what needs to go on the list. My knee-jerk response would probably be, can't you see I'm trying to get this done? (laughs) (laughs) Because I'm a task person first. So it's stressing me that I've been pulled from my task. He's saying, can't you ever take a break and focus on, you know, the family or whatever? Like, that might be the first thing he would think. If you magnify that into a work environment, that we that's where almost always the conflict happens. 
everybody wants to serve people. It's how they go about it. And they don't appreciate how other people want to serve the same way they appreciate the way they serve. Mm -hmm. So DISC allows us to have these conversations where we can learn vocabulary, words to say and not say, what stresses somebody else out? What kind of environment should we be in? If we are meeting somebody for the first time, what kind of clues can we look for to help us have a better conversation? So that's a really long answer, but I think in general, it's just an awesome tool. I mean, one of the other things I've done, Sue, is we do two-person reports. So let's say you have a, a, a CEO and a CFO that are not getting along. We can do a two-person report on here's your two personalities. Let's talk mm -hmm. about how we can improve the discussions between the two of you. And of course, there's tons of trainings that go with all of this with time management and kind because people will manage time differently depending on their personality. They'll goal set differently. They'll resolve conflicts differently or avoid conflicts depending on the personality type. Right. Right. So there's just so much really big transformational change that I have seen happen with this tool. It's one of the few tools I use that I deeply love. I have over and over and over gotten emails and texts and just constant comments from people saying, not only did I apply this in my business and have success, but I also have even taken it home and I'm using it in my personal life. And I'm seeing big changes in how I relate with my kids or my grandkids or my spouse or my father or, you know, whatever that is. It's fun to have something that is so transformational and one of the things I love most about DISC is it's simple. I've, I've made it sound more complicated today than it is. There's four letters. D-I-S-C, that's it. And just like the directions of the world, right? North, south, east, west. Think of all the things that are possible with those four directions. It's the same with DISC. Those four little letters, we can begin to learn skills right away. Like day one. But I tell people when you take the assessment, that's like kindergarten. That's like, okay, kids, here's the alphabet. <laughs> now we're going to teach you how to go to the library. Yeah. And we're going to let you read hundreds of, you know, and it's not that we're reading hundreds of books. It's just that there's lots of application that comes after that. Learning the language is that first piece. But now let's talk about, well, so what? Mm -hmm. And I think yeah. that's where a lot of a lot of pieces get missed. We, we need that training and that support that comes after, right? You do a lot of coaching. So mm -hmm. being there with people when they say, Kathy, I tried this new crazy communication idea and here's what happened or didn't happen or why did this not work or this really worked well or that's where the coaching becomes beautiful. We can support them yes. and give them that next step because it's a learned skill. I'm, I have thousands of hours in DISC and still I'm learning. So it's, it's a really fun tool and something I love. And it has transformed my business and my clients' lives. And that's why I love it so much. So it's definitely a core to what I do. So fun. I mean, just you can just hear the passion uh, that you have for it. And I have definitely used it myself. Um, and I have other assessments, too, that I use. But I think just understanding each other in a better way, how to communicate with each other. Because I think we all go, or at least I did before I learned all this, you go into it thinking, well, this is my style. You know, I'm just going to present in my style and not understanding that the other person cares about, you know, some of these other things that I don't care about, or maybe I do, but not to the extent they do. You have to really think about that and be more strategic in how you have conversations and present and 
even just to sell ideas and influence someone, you have to understand from their perspective a bit more about what they're doing. So I love all that you're doing. And I'm going to share in the show notes some links to her stuff, which you're going to be blown away, but just the things that she's doing and the things that she has. And if anybody's interested in doing a disc, I would definitely reach out to her because she is the queen of the disc. <laughs> and Thank you. Wow, that's yeah, yeah, we, we definitely want to make sure people can leverage it. Cause I know that you've done a lot more with it than I have. Uh, and I think it's just, it's amazing. So I think you should definitely reach out to her for her help and see how you can help yourself, your team, all of that. Thank you. So, you know, I think one thing I want to say about that is just for people to realize the beauty of it. Yeah, it's amazing. I love understanding myself better. That's important. And that's a first step. The beauty of it is how can I now reach someone else? That's the important part. And I think that's the piece that sometimes we miss. It's like, oh, I took that assessment and now I know Mm -hmm. about me. That's awesome. And let's keep going. It's like, no, the part that really matters is how does that apply to me having conversations with somebody else? And what can I learn about them that's going to allow me to have a better conversation? You know, the silly analogy I use is if you go to knock on a hotel door and there's a chain Mm -hmm. on the door and somebody opens it that little crack to look at you, DISC is going to get you to a point where you can have a conversation where they take that chain off their mental door and say, come on in and sit on my couch and let's talk. That's what we're creating. We're creating an environment where everybody can shine deeper and brighter together. What a cool analogy. I love that. (laughs) And it's so easy to follow, right? When you think about it. Oh, gosh. Okay. So we're going to transition into what I call the rise up and be visible quick tips. And I know you've seen these questions in advance, but I would love to hear your response to each of them. So the first one. Fill in the blank. Visibility is? The opportunity to shine your gifts and help others shine theirs so that the world is a better place. Wow. That's so inspirational. I love that. I love (laughs) that. Thank you. Oh my gosh, I love it. So do you have advice or a tip that you would share with the listeners on what you have done to be visible? Wow, I could probably write a book on this one. (laughs) Um, Okay, some things that I would say. (laughs) One... I, I did I did do a collaborative book and a co-authored book. Those were very helpful for me. I know you've done a book. Um, that's a very visible thing. Not being afraid to take some big mm-hmm. chances. So I mentioned I had an alpaca farm, which I loved. And it's a long story. We could do a whole podcast. But one of the things that I did, we were a fairly new alpaca farm back at the time when we had that. There were quite a few of them in the state I live in. But I took the initiative to reach out and invite a gentleman who had been the leading expert in Australia on alpacas. He had moved to the United States. I asked him to come to Minnesota and do a conference. I just asked and he agreed. And all of a sudden it raised my visibility as my little farm who was a newbie on the block to, wow, how did she get that guy to come? (laughs) And, And the other thing that came out of that was he had a whole herd of wonderful alpacas that they didn't have any breeding stock in our part of the country. So because of the connection I had made with them, it ended up that some of their animals came to my farm and now I had an additional breeding stock option. So that was a simple, simple piece of, I guess, for visibility. My point with that is sometimes it's just asking. I can't believe how many people don't ask. The worst that's going to happen is somebody is going to say no. 
and then you're not out anything. But if you ask, it's amazing what's possible. You know, don't, my parents raised me with this great gift of not can't, but how. And that has really shifted my thinking over the years of just because I'm not the world's leading alpaca expert doesn't mean I can't ask one. Like what's, what's going to happen? So that's another thing. Visibility too, in being able to put yourself out there, which can be hard and scary. One of the things, I am not a natural in the spotlight person, so I was very uncomfortable at first having my image out on the internet. I just felt funny about that. I'm, I'm more reserved in general. So one of the things that helped me walk through that from a visibility side was people pointing out that it helps when someone can see you and identify with you and connect with you. It feels more like family, more real. I hadn't really thought of it like that before. So part of that visibility question, too, I think, is leaning into input from other people around you who are recognizing this could really help you. Here's another really random one, Sue, that's kind of funny that actually was a big help to me. When I was in the early stages of leadership business years and years ago, I was doing a training and it went really well. People were really happy with it. I got great uh, feedback on the feedback forms. But there was a person that came up to me afterwards and they said, Kathy, I know you're passionate and this was a great session, but I couldn't see the passion. And I was like, what? Because inside of me, it was like bubbling over, right? Like (laughs) I couldn't contain it. So at the time I just kind of, okay, thanks for that feedback. I appreciate it. And, and, And didn't go beyond that. Well, fast forward a few months later, I ended up having to do some videoing, which I also wasn't very comfortable with because at that time I wasn't a big fan of video. I, I liked being in the background. I was, I was watching a video back of myself. And I was floored that this person had been 100% right. Because as I'm watching this video back, I'm realizing that what I knew I was feeling on the inside, because I lived it, was not showing up on the outside. That was such a gift. I wish I could go back and hug that person. Because because that was spot on. And it caused me to really think about why am I not showing on the outside what I'm feeling on the inside? I, I wasn't intentionally avoiding it. I just didn't realize it wasn't happening. That led me to all kinds of things, learning to use my hands, you know, learning different expressions with my face, which has completely, now I get lots of comments about Kathy, you're so energetic and you're so passionate. That's been learned over time, ways to let myself let go a little bit and let some of that inside out so that people could see me. For those of us who are introverts, that can be a challenge. And I think that was a big visibility one for me is recognizing if I truly want to love the people around me and serve them at the highest levels, they need to be able to see that I love them and want to serve them. So how do I show that? And and otherwise, we're assuming. And, and if you go back to DISC for a second, 60% of the world is reserved. So that means that we tend not to show what's on the inside, which means that everybody has to guess what we're thinking and feeling. That's not fair to them. And it gets us frustrated when they guess wrong. So that all comes back to that visibility. So there's a few for you. So how can people get in touch with you if they want to reach out to you? Uh, Well, I have a website, lioncrestleadership.com. That's one way. Um, You certainly can send me an email at kathy at lioncrestleadership.com. Those are probably two of the quickest ways. I'm on LinkedIn. I have a fairly um, good presence on LinkedIn, so you can find me on there uh, under Kathy Caston. 
So I, yeah, I'm excited. You know, if I can serve people in any way, I know we've touched on a lot of things today and maybe somebody would like to go into more detail. I'm happy to try and support anybody that's listening with Sue in any way I can. So I'm, I'm a big fan of yeah. Sue. So I'm here yeah. to help. Right back at you. Right back at you. So thanks so much for being here. I truly appreciate it. And I know everybody has learned some big nuggets from some of the stuff that you shared and the stories and your experiences, which are very different than maybe other people have had. So I love that you've taken all that and turned it into what you're teaching others now. So it's amazing and a great legacy for you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm really honored to be here. It's really fun to be able to make a difference in people's lives. You're doing a great job of it too. Thank you everybody for being here today on the Visibility Factor podcast, and we'll catch you on the next one. Thanks so much for listening to the Visibility Factor podcast. Remember that visibility starts with small steps that are intentional and consistent each day. Be bold, be visible, be the leader you were meant to be. Find us and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Follow us on all of our social media platforms, which are highlighted in the show notes. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Visibility Factor podcast.